Good evening, Patriots, and today is the end of Thursday, May 25th in the year 2023. You know, I shared a story on the previous hour with Brad Cummings that was sent to me last night. We're going to pray. It's part of our prayer prayers tomorrow, but it deals with a pretty horrendous violation of morality, I guess would be the right term. And we're going to talk about that in terms of our churches and what things have happened and how literally the, this evil is corrupting at so many levels. One thing right now, make sure in this middle of this fight that you're doing all you can to protect your retirement income because these people are coming for it. They're trying to make sure that you have no savings, that you're caught off guard. And that means your 401ks and IRAs are on their sites to dismantle and destroy. So to get those out of that and into something more secure would be why you would want to work with a group like Birch Gold. Patriots, President Trump recently issued a warning from his Mar-a-Lago home. Quote, our currency is crashing and will soon no longer be the world standard, which will be our greatest defeat, frankly, in 200 years. End quote. There are three reasons the central banks are dumping the U.S. dollar. Inflation, deficit spending, and our insurmountable national debt. The fact is there is one asset that has withstood famine, wars, and economic upheaval dating back to biblical times, gold. And you can own it in a tax-sheltered retirement account with the help of Birch Gold. That's right, Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k, maybe from a previous employer, into an IRA in gold. And the best part, you don't have to pay a penny out of pocket. Just text BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898 for your free info kit. They'll hold your hand through the whole process. The folks at Birch Gold are amazing. Think about this. When currencies fail, gold is a safe haven. How much more time does the dollar have? Protect your savings with gold like I did. Birch Gold has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and thousands of happy customers. Text BARDS to 989898 to get your free info kit on gold. Again, text BARDS to 989898. This is one of those decisions you will never regret. Do it today. You know, we are in the middle of um, probably one of the most intense assaults ever on the understanding of what we are as a culture. There's scenes today of white police officers and white students taking a knee at the direction of a black guy a, with a bullhorn. And it's just a symbol of me to me, whether that was staged or whether it was actually done, it's hard to say at this point in time. What we are seeing is that the willingness of people to perpetuate myths and lies has become unbelievably acute. And there is, an, there is a morality that has creeped in here into our world that is a morality of comply to anything and forget who we are and who I am. And it's an extension of groupthink, but it has no base, it has no strength, and in doing so, we're watching a collective spin of society, like watching something go down the drain or down the toilet. And it's happening fast. So this story I shared earlier tonight, I want to just dig into it a little bit. I mean, if 
again, I am going to kind of put together a lot of two long emails tomorrow into one prayer request. But essentially, here we have some parents with, with three children that they've homeschooled. Christian family who's taken their children away from the public environment so that they aren't exposed to this indoctrination, so they thought. And the mother goes into the 18-year-old's room, in her own words, and it's evident that she doesn't usually explore what's in there, but she gets a nudge from father to look in the closet. And in looking in the closet, discovers a box that she opens up and discovers that it's a bottle of meds. Now, when I'm reading this story and this testimony, I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, someone's going to be caught on some sort of drug, some medical addiction, right? Painkillers or something like that. And then she says, Scott, my son is taking HRT. I don't know if you know what HRT is. It's hormone replacement therapy. And this is a family that's done all they can to keep their children on the straight and narrow. And it doesn't mean that they're limiting them, but they've removed them from some of these darker influences of schools. And we've talked about this all the time, that the schools are in indoctrination camp. And this is a family that's taken that very, very seriously. So they approach the son, and obviously they're both heartbroken, and the son is now at a place where he's even talking about going through a full gender switch surgery, which these everybody that's pushing this is lying to these kids. They're either lying or they're absolutely retarded. I don't know which, but I think it's a combination of being in the... It's What it is is that it's a combination of lying and being part of a cult. And this cult is literally consuming their thoughts. It's like being turned over to a reprobate mind. And this young man who comes from a great family and a solid Christian family has been pulled into this cult of retrobate mind thinking. Reprobate. And so as the story unfolds, it's discovered that the youth pastor at the church, who the, the young man confided in, encourages the 18-year-old to explore his gender confusion, raises money for him to then go to Planned Parenthood, and that's where he's gotten the drugs, is through Planned Parenthood. And Planned Parenthood right now, and I've been telling you this, that Planned Parenthood is in the process of a shift. If you recall, what I've said is Planned Parenthood is going to be the new birthing clinics of the future. Well, watch the steps here. They are an abortion clinic, primarily. With They'll tell you they're more, but that's their primary function. And now they are a hormone replacement therapy center where kids can go in under age or of age, get these HRT drugs, and they'll even give them a fake name and ID so that no one can track them. This is unbelievable. And the reason I'm bringing this up again, because I've talked about it, we talked about it in the last hour. It was kind of one of my featured discussions today on the Bright on TV show. And I want to be very clear what I'm about ready to say. In no way are my words to be inferred, reflected, and in, in, uh, considered to be any sort of a comment against this family or any of their practices. 
I'm talking about now, the realities in which we face with this realization of what we all have to start confronting. Now, we've known that the pulpit is corrupt. And we also know that there's enough cases of youth pastors that have been caught as pedophiles or diddling kids or molesting children, whatever else you want to say. The church has become a, rather than a safe haven, it has become yet another predatorial environment. And it's yet further testimony to the dead stone walls and the absolute abhorrent practices of preaching without the living God. I don't know else to say it. I mean, this is Pharisees stuff times a thousand. And I'm pretty sure the Pharisees probably did child sacrifice and a bunch of other nasty stuff too. But this is this is unbelievable. And so what that means for a family and for anybody going to church, and I just have to be very blunt about this, I know it's very comforting to be able to go to church and have your children go to Sunday school or go to a kid's program if you go to church. But you can't be that trusting anymore. The Baptist Church Network, whatever they call themselves, the Southern Baptist Coalition or something, until last year, they didn't even have a way, a policy, to inform other churches of pastors that were pedophiles or predators against children or even, for that matter, rapists. Because the church network under the Baptist coalition, whatever they call that, network, they're all independent churches. They couldn't make, if a pastor left one church and went to the other, they didn't have a way until last summer, I guess they've come up with one, to inform one church to the other that this guy was a bad dude. I, I really can't process that. I mean, understand what the logic is other than that somebody was probably a pedophile in that network and protecting themselves until finally the pastor stood up and said, enough is enough. Our church system is broken like everything else. And as much as we want to find the right, the good churches, and I will say we do want to, even there in good churches, you're going to have to be on guard and you're going to have to be engaged and you can't let your guard down. This is where Satan is living and seeking the most. And it's always the same thing, going after the children. So it's a war obviously, on God's children that we're supposed to be stewarding. And again, as with all things in this unrestricted warfare, which is literally Satan's manual of hell, every institution that you trust is being turned against you. I've talked about the Catholic Church, and someone commented the other day, you hate Catholics. Actually, no, I don't. That's a very wrong statement. I can't stand the Catholic Church, be clear. Just like I can't stand most churches. I want to be very clear about this.
most churches are just what goes on in these walls is just not filled enough with the Holy Spirit. And I'm not telling you that, again, this is not a blanket statement that every church is bad. It's not. But a story like this is such a testimony to where corruption lurks and the fact that it was there happening right under the parent's nose, right under the pastor's nose. How did this happen? These are questions that need to be asked. And I'm not saying the family isn't, but I'm telling you every one of us needs to be demanding this accountability in the halls and the walls of, of God's house. Where's the elders? What are they going to do? So the questions it really starts to come here is, is asking like, okay, so what's the pastor going to do? I don't have these answers. I'm just saying like, let's just use this scenario as it was yours. What would your pastor do if you brought it to the pastor? Is the pastor going to stand up and pull that youth pastor up in front of the congregation and ask him point blank what happened and give testimony? with proof that he was involved in something. And if he refuses to acknowledge it, cast him out and send him out in humility. Well, not humbleness, not that way, but humiliate him and send him out of the church so that he can never practice there again. And then make sure that the other churches were warned. He'll find a home, I guarantee it. There's too many churches now that have embraced this LGBTQAI plus crap anyway. This is defiling God's house, and you wonder why the Holy Spirit isn't there. There was a prophetic I was listening to, great guy. I can't think of his name right now. Um, I say great guy, enjoyed his work, but I, I really have dropped, I'm slipping his name. And he was sitting in a new church. It was a beautiful big church. And he's telling the story that he said as he's watching the business people meet and talk about the organization of the new church, he said he has a he witnesses Jesus walking out of the church. And he says, Jesus, don't go. This is true testimony. Jesus, don't go. And please stay. And Jesus looks at him and says, you're the only one here that will know that I left. We have a responsibility of bringing the living God into our lives, declaring our authorities. That's our job. Unfortunately, what happens in churches is we want to go to a place where we can sit. We can be told. We can be obedient to a pulpit. We don't have to do the heavy lifting. People want the community. They want the fellowship. I get all that. But at what cost? The elders in the church have a responsibility to oversee this stuff. I mean, the question I would ask is how did this, more than one question, another question I would ask, how did this youth pastor slip by the optics and the oversight of the church that wasn't aware that he had tendencies or inclinations to support an LGBTQ agenda, which is exactly what he was doing if he's pushing somebody to explore their gender plurality. And what does it say for a youth pastor that is secretly raising money? How did that miss the church's optics? How did that somehow miss any overview that the children, apparently the youth, were bringing money in to raise money for this young man and possibly adults, to go to a gender flip or to go to Planned Parenthood. 
Now what's that say about all the youth and how corrupted they are? You see, you see how this is just rippling out? Was it Tony Woods wrote an article or did a sermon about a year ago from Orange County? And his comment was that there was like 30% of all youth pastors, I might be high on that number, looked at the world through a biblical lens, 30% or less. A biblical worldview. Obviously, when we start talking about gender plurality, that doesn't exactly fit in Scripture in a biblical worldview, except that now there's so much corruption even in that, there's this cherry-picking of Scriptures to try to justify their right to be eunuchs and to be sexually destroyed. The, the whole principle here that they're using, this brainwashing, has nothing to do with the long term, with the down the road or the long term. It's right now a scorched earth policy. So let's just make sure we understand here what we're looking at. And it's it's important. Matter of fact, Let's do this. I'm, let me just give a hit to one of our sponsors before I dig into this. This is another one of our great sponsors, My Patriot Supply. Patriots, you've seen the dire headlines we're facing in the world today. Everywhere you look, things are falling apart. That's why the smartest investment you can make right now is in your family's food security. We've seen supply chains break down. Food processing plants burn. We've seen animals cold because of so-called viruses. The reality is you might not be able to find food when the next disaster strikes. Imagine a moment in the future where grocery stores could be empty, roads closed, and trucks won't be able to make deliveries. When that happens, you need emergency food in full supply. That's why I urge you to grab a three-month emergency food kit from My Patriot Supply, the nation's largest preparedness company. When you order today, you'll save $200 on each kit you need. Having these kits means your family will stay fed while others stand in food lines. Don't delay. Order your three-month emergency food kit today and save $200 per kit. It's easy to order. Go to preparewithbards.com. You'll get fast and free shipping too. Preparewithbards.com. Do this today. You won't regret it. Preparewithbards.com. I'm really pushing this thing here because I think that it's there's a tendency. I'm not, I'm not pointing at anybody, but I think that there's a tendency that we can all be a bit dismissive of how deadly this threat is out here right now. We have to raise our children up in the good way, which from everything I can tell from this testimony, they did. But we're forgetting right now the exposure that children have on a broad spectrum to this influences. I mean, I don't know if you saw this second commercial today, the second one from North Face that has now gone completely gay, LGBT woke, as they're pushing a gay or woke or rainbow or whatever, LGBTQAI plus, I have no idea, whatever the heck they call it, garbage summer, as they're doing this tour, North Face sportswear, Children are being exposed to this. They're being exposed to colors on the web. This is all by design. Pay attention. You know, the purple is a big theme right now. They're getting exposed to it on advertisements even for crypto. Crypto's got all sorts of satanic stuff, all these different cryptocurrency exchanges. It's everywhere. So what's happening is we can raise children in a safe environment, 
if they interact on the web, if they interact in with any sort of media, if they are exposed to any sort of print media, at this point in time, there is a barrage of stuff coming at them from wording to their exposure on social media of any form to their pronouns. That's straight up out of the stories of biblical. I mean, it's we are legion. We notice that the, always, the demons always use a a pronoun, a plural program, pronoun. We're dealing with demonic. And, you know, the best parts, of, best parts, one of the parts about this is that it just makes me cringe is how many churches will not even acknowledge deliverance work, the casting out of demons, and yet they will welcome the demonic in with this LGBTQAI plus crap. That is straight up opening the door of hell into your church. And the demons shall flood in. But they're not going to in any way embrace the deliverance work. And even if they're of good heart, they're, they're, so many churches are stay away from deliverance. It's like, well, that's the kind of weird stuff you're doing. It's like, it's not weird. Jesus did it. But we're really in such a crisis right now. And so what I was getting at is it's easy, I think, to be dismissive to a certain degree of this and to, in one way or another, try to put the onus back on the parenting. But the children are under attack. And every every interaction that they come to, and this particular story is what's so disturbing about it, is that this child, this young man, who's in a time of prime, and, and I mean, we know this. Boys bloom late. Girls mature younger. And with a coming of age of a young man, there is often some hormone imbalances that occur that can cause some questioning. That's normal. That's why you have, hopefully, a foundation in Scripture and a, obviously a loving family, and hopefully you have a pastor that is other than a limp-wristed weenie. But I, you know, I, when I attack skinny jeans, and I do, there's a reason because the skinny jeans represent something. It's not just a style and a fashion that will try to tell you. And by the way, anybody out there that wears skinny jeans, if you're younger, because I know we have some younger audiences, and if you're wearing them and you're wondering why you, you might have trouble raising kids someday, you might want to check what happens with skinny jeans if you're a man. It reduces your sperm count. I hate to tell you, but it's true. Wear boxers, be done with it, go back to wearing jeans, be normal. Anyway. So, we are in this point where we've now seen the corruption arrive that where the, the young man who, would, who did the right thing in principle because he turns to his pastor to discuss something that he's feeling and he's obviously doing so because it's probably a topic that would be difficult to talk to mom and dad. I don't care who your parents are. So in our way of seeing community in the way of old, you would a youth would turn to their youth pastor and that youth pastor might then advise them to be listened or speak to the main pastor or maybe one of the associate pastors. And then at a certain point, they might bring the family in. I mean, I would hope that a church would work that way. 
This didn't happen that way. This is completely subversive. This, I mean, I'll tell you, if I had this dude's name, I'd, I'd probably dox him. Get in trouble for it, but I probably would. Because he needs to be doxed. He needs to be told exactly who this is. He's actually subverted. He's gone around the structure that God gave us. He decided on his own to become an intercessor in, in involved in the family by cutting off the family's connection, stepping in as a demigod himself to raise money. And then, again, like I said, the question is, what about these kids who gave money or who, who the heck gave money? I would want that list. So what's that look like in a church when this happens? I mean, obviously, there has to be an enormous amount of prayer for this child, for this young man, and for this family that's now been put into this. But the church now has a massive accountability to its on its hands. This is worse, in my opinion. And yes, hear what I'm saying. This is worse, in my opinion, than somebody who's a pedophile or somebody who has been molesting kids. And why? Because... As deep as that damage can be emotionally for these kids, it's at least something that you can identify and you can correct. Once you start on HRT for a period of time, you're never going back. You've destroyed the body. You've maimed it. And these people that are pushing this, this is why they're trying to brainwash kids into saying, we don't know what a woman is. We don't know what a woman is because a man can have a baby. That is so much garbage. It's never going to happen because their idea down the road, what they're trying to get everybody to is to destroy their reproductive ability. This mRNA shot went after the reproductive organs for youth. It's known. It affects reproduction. And that wasn't enough. So they wage war with fentanyl to kill off youth the weak ones, and then they wage war with the ones that are stronger to convince them to convert, and then they wipe out the male line completely so that all you're left with is women acting like men and men acting like women, complete inversion, and the only way they can have children is to go to, oh, here it comes, Planned Parenthood, which are the new birthing clinics, to get your designer baby, but hate, hate to tell you, you're not in the upper class, so the only things you get to choose are hair color and eye color. Everything else is given, and they're going to make sure you get the bottom of the DNA pool. Two-class system. And in one fell swoop, that pastor, a youth pastor, endorsed it, embraced it, and literally walked that young man into Satan's lair. I don't... Man, I'll tell you, if I was pastor of that church, that young, that youth pastor would be standing in front of that congregation. I'd drag his ass in there by his earlobe if I had to. He would stand in front of that congregation and either he would give his testimony or the testimony would be given. I would pull in the attorneys from that church. Any violation that he made that, would, that I could identify I would either sue him in civil court or see to it that the criminal charges were placed upon him, and probably both. I would blacklist his name in every single church going forward. I know this probably doesn't sound Christian. It's not very forgiving. It just enrages me. Because it's one place where youth need to have at least a measure, a monicum of trust. And we have to create a place in here of safety. 
And what they're doing is they're attacking every safe haven for our youth. You can't send them to school because the teacher's going to brainwash them or bring clothes to in school for them so they can cross-dress. They're going to diddle them. They're going to convince them that they need to be sexually active when they're two years old. They're going to tell them that they can get HRT drugs. They're going to smuggle them in. They're even going to give them a, a shot against the parent's will, mRNA, because the teacher sees it that it's their right to take care of the child. Because the child isn't the parents. The child is theirs to model and mold. And these are the brainwashed puppets that are coming out of out of the colleges. This youth pastor, if he's gone to seminary, he's an example of an aborted system. And yes, I just said that about seminary because almost every seminary in this country is a worthless waste of time at this point in time. The only thing they do at seminary anymore is they do some sort of spinal removal surgery and they literally cut the nuts off of every pastor that goes through there. I don't know how they do it. It's pretty amazing because it's very successful. It gets me fired up, if you can't tell. And it, it's heartbreaking. And it's at the end of the day, it's all about the spirit of confusion, the, demon, the demonic spirit of confusion that is getting into these youth's minds, that's being allowed in. And at that church, wherever that church is, that church has more demonic activity than they've ever realized, and it's floating where it needs to not be, and that's right in the youth section. Now, in fairness, just so I can frame things, that youth pastor needs to be brought in front of the congregation. I know I just did a little rant, but here's the truth. He needs to be given a chance to repent and with that is accountability for what he did. That is before the cross. I think what you're going to find, if churches had the stones to do this, I think what they would find is when they would bring these people up, these people would spit rather than pray. They would hiss rather than repent because they're deeply infected with a demonic force of their own. There's too many testimonies of this nature. There's, a, there's been some really good testimonies of that. In fact, is standing in front of a congregation and calling things out, and you have people that you would never imagine. I, I witnessed it. We had it happen at, at Dave Bryan's satellite church up in Grass Valley. Dave was talking about demons, and we were talking about the possession of the, the association of how demons can click onto you. And literally this woman stands up, and she just starts mumbling and and cursing, it's like you would never have seen it coming out of somebody, let me tell you. And she mumbles and hisses, and she's got a whole other voice going, and she's vocalizing all this stuff right in the middle of the sermon. She walks right out the door, slams the door of the church. Dave's awesome. He's like, oh. He goes, he looks, he goes, oh. And once in a while, they even manifest right in the middle of the sermon, and he just kept going. It was awesome. We have a dark possession going on in our churches. And it is so important that as parents, as community members, as citizens, as people, as members of churches, if you're there, you've got to be, you have to become aware of what it is that you're looking at and you have to start becoming educated 
in deliverance work. I don't care if the church likes it or not. I really could care less. I don't care if it makes your friends and neighbors uncomfortable. Oh, yeah, you know, what are you doing that stuff? That's kind of freaky. You're following what Christ said to do. And this is such a shot across the bow, literally. And I've talked about the corruption of the church for a long time, the corruption of the pulpit, I should say. It's not new. But, and we've, I've looked at it from a pastoral level, okay? And I've mainly focused on this corruption based on a 501c3, what happens in these sort of values of trying to create a business out of a church rather than putting the Holy Spirit first, the convolution of those values as it happens is they're trying to manage a 501c3, stay out of the real deep fights, which is like politics, keep everything very narrow into the book and try to build an argument that they can somehow build an envelope around their congregation that doesn't have to deal with the real world. I mean, that's, that's to me one of the backbones of corruption. It's, and it's taking pastors out to where they don't have spine. I've, we've talked about and I've discussed here the issue of pastors molesting children or even youth pastors molesting children. And those things are tangible and evil as they are. I'm honest, this story has just, it really rocked me when I saw it because I'm like, oh my goodness, this is far worse. This is whispers. There's a thing in PSYOPs called the Whisper Campaign. And essentially what it is, it's like telephone, if you're familiar with telephone, where you get in a circle and someone whispers something like, you need to bake the cake or eat a slice of the cake. And this is an example. And the next person repeats it and repeats it. And it goes around the circle. And when it comes back, it says something like, Johnny has a red car that needs to be washed. I mean, it's like that screwed up by the time it gets there, right? And what's happening now when we start talking about these whisper campaigns is they're seeding things. And these are right out of the tongue of Lucifer himself to seed this idea that you are not what you were made to be, that you are should be different, that there's a better way to travel in the world, that God made you imperfect. Hear that. Because that's what this whole thing is at the core of. God made you imperfect. What a lie. This is why I rail against this idea that we are not worthy. It is an extension of all of this. You've weakened the body. And all these things are weakening the body. And it's such a tragedy. We are made in the image of the one God, the true God, the most high. And how does that happen when we get on the ground and children are growing up that they somehow arrive at a point that I am made imperfect. God did not mean to put me in this body. I'm supposed to be in another. I'm supposed to be a man instead of a woman, a woman instead of a man. I'm supposed to be a dog instead of a cat. And then before a cat, I was a, I was a boy. I don't know. There's this sort of craziness going on. And all that's demonic. It's all about destroying God's creation. And so, again, parents are doing everything they can more and more to try to protect their kids. But this war is coming at every angle. It takes more than a person. It takes a community. And that means we have vigilance to do. We have to keep our eyes open. We have to look for the influences that are coming at kids. I wouldn't have hoped that somebody in the church would have picked up that this youth pastor was passing on some of this crap 
and trying to convince kids that it was okay to explore gender. My guess is it's not as hidden as we think. And my guess is it isn't as isolated as you think. If he's done it for one, he's done it for another. Now the question is what will happen? And that's what always happens. When you find a pedophile, it isn't that he does it once. He's done it many times. It's the only thing you discover. What you discover is the one that finally gets exposed. A rapist doesn't do it one time. They typically have it within them to do it multiple times. These people are doing this. And they're in the churches. So... As a statement in general for anybody going to church, there better start being some heavy-duty audits with some heavy hitters that are solid in, in their belief in Christ, and you better be watching and overseeing, especially your youth counselors because or youth pastors because and counselors for that matter too. Anybody interacting in the congregation. Hopefully adults are smart enough not to get bamboozled by this garbage, but unfortunately there's so many soccer mom, I want to be like my neighbor garbage going on here. I want to be part of the sheep crowd. Because I lack a spine, because I, I'm afraid to stand on my own, because I want to be liked, I want to be recognized as a leader within my group, whatever the 15,000 reasons are, all based on pride, that I'm willing to sacrifice my children to this God who seeks to reward me with the, in, the satiation of identity and praise from my peers that I too am part of this greater cult and as a, a, and literally, I mean, look at what's happening here. These people are being drawn in, parents, pastors, whoever. They're being drawn into this cult that says, I sh- you shall be praised if you lead these children to the altar of sacrifice. And there's multiple levels of sacrifice right now. Trust me, these people are, the, these sacrifices, when you mutilate a child, That's a, that's a form of sacrifice. They get points for that, whatever that looks like. At least they think they do. And then that leaves another one. Because what's ultimately going to happen here is these kids at one point or another, with few exceptions, there will be the exceptions of those that will wake up and want to come back, and they're going to suffer a very painful return, and they will never be the same. Do you know that I want to say it's Denmark or Sweden because I can't remember the exact country, they're not disclosing why they are no longer allowing some of the HRT drugs with youngers. But I can tell you the reason. They have discovered that when a young girl goes through transition to a boy, that their spines are not fusing right. And so the young girls are being turned into old women with osteoporosis, not exaggeration. So by the time they get to be mid-teens, they're hunched over and walking like a broken back old woman. Can you understand what Satan's doing here? It's a war to mutilate God's children so that the society can never recover. The future of the generation, the future generations are being wiped out. And they're leaving the burden of this upon us. And so I'm I'm really looking at this and I'm asking, okay, we have authorities. We have authorities. We have authorities. That's what I've been talking about. That's what Brad talked about tonight. We have authorities. Literally, it's like the cloud of witnesses are saying, yo, people, you were given earth to steward. And we keep telling ourselves, well, Jesus needs to fix this. Jesus gave us authorities on this earth to deal with just this. We have dominion over all evil. 
And we keep turning our way away from that and asking someone else to fix it for us. God will work through us. Christ will be with us. The Holy Spirit will fill us. But we have the authorities to cast this out. And part of that casting out is as David did. I'm going to read this. It's it's Samuel, 1 Samuel 17. I'm going to begin at 31, and I'm going to go to about 45. Actually, I'm just going to start at 41, make it easier. The Philistine came and approached David with his shield bearer in front of him. When the Philistine looked around and saw David, he derided and disparaged him because he was just a young man with a ruddy complexion and a handsome appearance. And the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you came to me with shepherd's staff? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine also said to David, Come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the sky and the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have taunted. This day the Lord will hand you over to me, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. And I will give the corpses, I will give the corpses of the army of the Philistines this day to the birds of the sky and the wild beasts of the earth so that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel and that this entire assembly may know that the Lord does not save with the sword or with the spear, for the battle is the Lord's and he will hand you over to us. Who has the authority? David understands his authority. He doesn't have to go, hey, God, excuse me. Um, he wants to feed me to the beasts. Uh can you get back to me? I know I'm leaving a message right now. When you get around to it, I'm kind of in a pinch here because uh, Goliath is um, thinking about chopping me up in little pieces, and I, I just really need you to intercede on my behalf because I really don't know what to do here. Um, all right, thanks. This is David, by the way. Uh, here, here's my number, and um, when you get a chance, give me a ring. Thanks. Again, it's kind of urgent. Click. David's not doing that. He understands very clearly what the Lord of hosts has given him. He understands very clearly what it is to be the son of the Most High. And he's stepping into his authority. And he's not doing any black magic. He's not trying to say, And I shall wave my hands, O Goliath, and you shall suddenly become a Christ-loving beast, and you shall fall down and weep before me, and you shall grovel at my feet. He's not doing any of that. He understands he's looking at evil. He's looking right in the square eyes of evil. He's calling out Goliath for exactly what Goliath did. Defamed God, the one God, the true God, the God of hosts. And David tells him, this is going to cost you everything, bud. Sorry. You're threatening me. I wasn't going to threaten you. You're threatening me. Now I'm going to take your life because what has happened is you violated this line and God has given me authority upon this earth. And I'm saying God will deliver you to my hand. And that's exactly what happens. That's understanding authorities. Imagine a congregation standing up and being like that in a case like this young freakazoid youth pastor of declaring authorities over this young man that you will 
make atonement. You will make accountability to this family. And you will, because we are, this is what happens, because you have violated the tenet of doing harm to the little ones, and God will deliver you to our hands. Oh, no, that sounds a little extreme. Instead, we want to do this. I need to pray for that young man. I hope that he finds his way to Jesus, and I hope the other one, I hope the other young boy is okay. And I, and, and, and I, I, I'm going to pray for him. Look, I'm, we're going to pray for him tonight, and we're going to bring some fire and brimstone to this one. And it needs to be, and we're going to pray for it again tomorrow. And it's about accountability of what's happened, and it's about asking for judgment from Father God, and it's about restoring somebody who was misled, who went to somebody with confidence that they would be guided. And unfortunately, in a state like this, a young man was confused, looked for guidance of someone who was supposed to be a representative of the kingdom, and where much is given, much is asked, failed to guide this young man. Wow, does this fire me up. Thank you, God, for this moment in giving me the latitude and understanding of righteous anger. So, patriots, with that, let us pray. Father, I, I, you know my heart today. You know it. You feel it. You felt it since this morning when I was struggling with this. You have blessed me with a righteous anger tonight, and I thank you for this because this is nothing short of a violation beyond any violation. This is a pastor, a youth pastor, who has violated the covenant, a covenant of leading a young man with Jesus and instead leads a young man into the den of hell. Father, we pray tonight for a judgment here. I stand before you, and I'm asking you for a judgment and Father, I'm gonna. I, when I say judgment, we we this young man who has this youth pastor needs to be brought before the throne, needs to be humbled before the throne, and make testimony to this congregation of what he's done. We pray for a church to either stand up and be in union with the Word of God, Your Word, Father, or to suffer a judgment of being weak and allowing one of the little ones to be harmed. We pray that this church will have elders that will do their job to commit and double down to remove this youth pastor for one, get him out of the space. Regardless, he cannot be there. He has done damage. And he's going to have to be held accountable, and he should, Father, as you see fit, make reparations to this cause and this problem that he created. Part of that is an honest testimony to the one he misled. He must see the errors of his ways. This congregation is at a point of decision, a threshing floor. So, Father, we ask that that threshing floor be put before them, a place to choose. Which way shall you go? How shall you believe? What, whom shall you serve? And may the fate of the church rest with that decision that they make collectively. The same holds true for the pastor and the elders. 
Father, we pray truly for mercy on this young man who has been misled to take HRT. Pray mercy for him, Father, because he did not know what he had done. Forgive his soul, forgive where he is. Father, we pray for absolute miraculous restoration of healing upon him. That the whole spirit of confusion will be shaken off from him. That he'll see clearly and realize the errors of his ways. That he will seek Jesus. And Jesus, we are asking. And Father, I ask you and Jesus, I ask you. Jesus, please make a presence in this young man's life. You have told us that you, if we ask of you, you will respond. Jesus, we need you now to make a presence in this young man's life, a presence to show him love, to show him compassion, and to bring healing with the blood, to restore his body, to cast out any of these pollutants that are in him, to have him face these HRT, to get rid of it and cast it out of his life, no desires, to remove that confusion. And we pray for the blessings on this family. For whatever has opened this door to this demonic attack, may it be sealed. We rebuke any of the demonic voices, influences, whispers that are around this young man or this family. We rebuke them and silence them. And we pray that the family will find its way to their knees to ask for Jesus into their home to re repel and to reject any of the demonic influences at rest within. Jesus, may you bless this house. Father, may you bless this child and heal him, restore him, Father. You have told us that if we ask of you, such things will be done. And we're asking you in the name and love of our Savior. May you restore this child to perfect health Bring him back to a clarity of thought. Return his eyes to the loving kingdom and have him feel the love and compassion of his parents. And may this moment be a moment in which he learns and becomes through the process of healing a magnificent voice of heaven to lead others away from the darkness and to be able to see and call out those that are misleading them, like the Pied Piper that that youth pastor was. And in the process, Father, if it is within your will, make bring that youth pastor to his knees, heal him, and turn him into an advocate against Satan. A voice that will know for once all the deeds that he has done, as dark as they are, and be able now to speak against the whispers is part of his repentance on this earth. Thank you, Father. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. We must continue to try to see the world through the eyes of Father, as difficult as it is, because the rage in situations like this can blind us. And I think every one of us feels the pain in our heart of yet another youth being sucked into this demonic hell that they're trying to create here on earth. May our prayers continue for the children, the young ones, the little ones, those that are still growing and developing and trying to build their armor. May the mightiness 
of the mother and the father continue to grow. And may our commitment and our confidence in the authorities given to us by Father continue to strengthen within us so that we wield the sword of the Spirit mightily, decisively, but with precision and never with vengeance. And that's ultimately it. We must walk with a forgiving and loving heart, not one of vengeance, and allow Father to lead our hand as justice be done. Patriots, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil, never relent, always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I will see you tomorrow for bended knee. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. Oh, I want to feel something. I just want to breathe again. Dive into the deepest end. Oh, I want to feel something. Let me get back in my body. Oh